computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z. Joined as always by Tim, aka Scoop McBasketball. Tim's got some scoops for us later today, talking coaching staff stuff. We're going to dive a little bit into potential sign in trade ideas. We've talked a little bit about, you know, names that we can't get through free agency in a traditional way, maybe packaging Schroeder, KCP, Kuzma. So we'll touch on that a little bit later. But first, Tim. The news of the week, I suppose, uh, just kind of catching everyone up with a couple of little things. Um, let's start with Andre Drummond. OK, Andre Drummond had a recent kind of press tour here uh, going on, like, pardon my take, you know, going on. I think he was on the jump, right? Um, trolling people in Instagram comments saying that. He could be, uh, what was it, like Kareem Abdul Drummond if his coach played him more. Um, so I don't know. Tim, I really, once I found out that Andre Drummond was trying to sell an NFT or non fungible token for my boomers friends out there, um, I basically just ignored every word out of his mouth after that revelation for me because. The context of it is this man's trying to sell something and it's fully within his right. It's I'm not, you know, criticizing that at all. But to me, you have to take this kind of, um, you know, statement or, you know, maybe the Instagram thing was just how he felt, you know, but it seems a little bit PR to me. I don't know what you think, but I don't know. Do you think Andre Drummond uh, could be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar if we'd just given him the chance? I don't think so and given how inefficient he's been in the post for the past like decade i i would imagine doing more of that wouldn't suddenly take him from bad to really really good i appreciate uh, that you didn't just flat say no like you're that like there, nuanced you're just reason, like, <laughs> yeah this isn't tim hates him this is like no, no this isn't close I'm just to reality say no yes yeah no. just no uh and i agree with you i i think a lot of this is pre and the pr piece to me is putting him on the stage Mm. And getting him in front of – getting him on the podcast, getting yeah. him on TV, him tweeting some of the stuff he tweeted to generate attention. Th- that was intentional. Once he was on those stages, he was certainly asked questions that he didn't respond in ways that left me feeling better about bringing him back. Or specifically uh, insight into his mindset and how he views himself that were just maybe some blind spots that he has between – where he thinks he is and where we would like him to be or just like a lack of like, no, I'm good. Like yeah. the team not playing me is their issue or like if Vogel needs to figure his stuff out, like I'm, you know, I'm Andre Drummond. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any issues. That that was the general like vibe of a lot of it. And I don't think he's back, but given what's happened in this past week, I feel even stronger about him probably not returning to the team and just the the bridge burning didn't it wasn't necessary as part of that PR tour but that's what ended up seeming to happen 
Yeah, I'm feeling less confident he returns as well. And I will gladly pay you $100 for Andre Drummond to not be on the Lakers next year. So I think, you know, it's a I win win or you lose lose with losing money and getting Andre Drummond on the team. So, um, you know, I don't know what to think of there. I do know he's been getting a lot of heat from Lakers fans on Twitter uh, for better or worse. You know, he wasn't. Um, the only problem, you know what I mean? But he definitely didn't help the way you thought he might. Um, but again, this guy got bought out, right, for a reason. Um, yeah. But Tim, Tim, you got to let Damian Jones go. I see you <laughs> tweeting about Damian Jones at like 5 p.m. on a Tuesday about the one who got away. I'm just like, Tim, it was mostly you're better a joke. than this. I it know. was one of those, if you're a real Laker fan, who is this? Okay, I, think, fair. I think the context is important. Fair. Okay. All right. Anything else you had to say about Drummond? I don't know really else. It just kind of seems like really. a stunt, right? Yeah. Like, at this point, I don't think we need to cover him. I yeah. we'll, we'll come back. We're just about done. And we, we've brought up the Discord a million times over the past couple months. But we've been doing that team for a day exercise where we say, all right, we're the Timberwolves. What are our goals? How are we handling, handling our free agents? What are our needs? What's our spending power? Who are we going to go after? Or what kinds of players are we going after? We're only a couple teams away from being done with that. So next week when we have this podcast, we'll have a much more concrete sense of like, this is Montrezl Harrell's market or this is Dennis Schroeder's market. This is Andre Drummond's market. And I'm really interested to like crunch all the numbers and see if he has a market higher than that taxpayer MLE because he may be costing himself money right now. Mm-hmm. He, he might think and it seems as though he thinks he's worth well more than that. He is worth well more than that. But given what the market looks like, if he's he might be one of those guys on the fence that might not make more yeah. than that taxpayer MLE and he might be losing out on a good opportunity. So don't count your chickens before don't count your contract before it happens. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, play the PR game a little bit better. He's certainly playing the PR game, but yeah. it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't an A plus effort. I mean, and another guy who is in a similar situation and is more in the decision-making power is Montrez Harrell. And he's also been someone right. that uh, in Instagram recently uh, shared a few comments that weren't uh, super kind towards Frank Vogel. Hmm. It's – I get yeah, We talk, talked a little bit about this before we jumped on. It's hard – one of the hardest things to do is be self-aware about your own faults and give your – I'm not saying Montrez isn't, but based on his comments – seems like excuses or you know just reasons to fight with trolls online uh if that's your fancy you know by all means do it but it's not productive it's not really great for um the team i i i'm not i'm not gonna call it like a distraction because everyone does it but it it can become one if you you know done too much too often because a lot of the laker fans are you know, eagle-eyeing the comments of every player on the NBA, everything that happens, everyone's likes, you know, so. Yeah, it's not a great look, though, for a guy who's going, he, he wants to make 10 million or more a year yeah. on this open market saying, like, adding on to people, you know, people are going to say whatever they're going to say on, on Instagram, but taking a, like, Frank Vogel, like, effed up our chance with Trez comment and him adding on to that and saying, yeah, like matchup situations are excuses. Those things aren't real. Like just, I don't know. That gives us some insight into his mindset. And these are the the types of mindsets and mindsets and comments that thinking back to Markeith Morris's exit interview 
comments mm. about like certain guys on the roster weren't there to win or they weren't there yeah. to like be part of that team. That's not something we can really take for granted. And this year showed us that two seasons ago, winning the title, there were guys that legit had to sacrifice. And yeah. we didn't hear moaning about it, you know, as the season was going on or in the off season. But we're hearing that now. And it's, you know, in the heat of it's the moment, telling. you're on our team. We want you to do well yeah. at this point. It's much easier to see them go with how they've been treating these, you know, this past month. People tell on themselves every day. Mm -hmm. Listen to them. Listen to them. They are not lying about who they are. They will tell on themselves every day. Well, that's neither here nor there, Tim. Let's move on a little bit to the other news. Recently, we've had a lot of assistant coach debates, um, not just after hiring Coach David Fisdale, but uh, we have Phil Handy potentially leaving the Lakers, getting a, a head coaching interview with the Washington Wizards, and also Lionel Hollins. Um, forgive me, I don't remember where he interviewed, but he's had interviews over the last couple of years uh, in the offseason. So it looks like, I think, according to Mark Spears, that the Lakers are looking for another assistant coach. And now that could be to replace another one that they suspect will leave, either Handy or Hollins. It could be to add a fourth assistant coach. Uh, now, you can only have three on the bench, right? But the other guys can like just sit right behind them, right? They yeah. can just, you know sit what I mean? Two, it's, you know, sit a foot behind the players. Right. I saw somebody really said, matter. like, there's only three head coach, assistant coaches. And I'm like, that's irrelevant. It's okay. But whatever. Um, Tex winner, anyone. He was never on the front of the bench, right? Um, so what do you, how do you unpack some of the reports that have come out there? I think Phil Handy absolutely deserves a head coaching opportunity. If I were him, I don't know if I'd want it to be Washington, but I, you can't always pick. You want to get your foot in the door. Um, I think he's fantastic attitude. I love him. I don't want him to leave. I can't say all those same things about Lionel Hollins because he's a little bit more in the shadows, a little bit, you know, more of a mellow, you know, PR figure, but mm -hmm. If one or either of them leaves, is there a certain coach uh, that you might, you know, other than Adelman, who we talked about a little bit, or the type of coach, what do you expect the Lakers to do uh, going forward uh, if, if one of these guys leaves? If one of them leaves, my guess is they'll replace them with someone who does a role or has a skill set similar to the roles these players or these these coaches were in. So if Hollins leaves, they're looking for a Scott Brooks kind of guy who just took the Portland Trailblazers lead assistant role, which Hollins was that's what he was interviewing for as well. So if he were to leave, that's someone that can come in and, and has that head coaching experience, can provide that structure and, uh, you know, be that, you know, lead guy, second in, in command and, and help figure things out. If Handy were to leave, from what I understand, a lot of what he does is player development. And yeah, like so skill development them, stuff, right? Yeah, I would expect them to look to fill that void with someone who does skill work. And, I mean, if you're, you can go look at Phil Handy's website. He, it's one of those, like, it's not on, like, Masterclass, but it's basically one of those sorts of things. Where, like, yeah, you pay 94 and, feet and, a game. Yeah, you, you can go watch Phil Handy, like, it's basically, like, YouTube videos of drills that you pay to watch. There's no rotating rims. There's no spiked rims. There's <laughs> no crazy. Dude. There, there's no yeah. clown car basketball that you have to dribble through. I couldn't yeah. believe that when I saw it, Tim. I was like, this, this, that was lethal shooter. Yeah, this man is talk a about grifter. some PR. A grifter. It is, it's hey, it's generating engagement, but it's the type of <laughs> stupid stuff that like doesn't directly <laughs> translate to the game. No that, kidding. 
<laughs> I see random, you know, random sh- coaches and, and trainers do stuff like that all the time to try to generate like attention, but it's not how I would hope my kids or my players or <laughs> the players playing for the team I root for uh, are, are going through. Cause that doesn't seem like it translates to the game directly. So we wonder why the Lakers are breaking threes in the playoffs. It's because <laughs> the rims weren't rotating. I know. I'm sorry. Or because I they didn't help but bring it up. Like, come on, man. THT working out with them recently. So I don't know. God bless it's, him. Yeah. But yeah, yeah if, I, if Phil Handy leaves, it's tough to find a guy at that level. Phil Handy has been with LeBron for years. Mm-hmm. He won a championship in Toronto as well, I believe. You know, he's been on the last five like successful you know champions basically. And uh, yeah, you don't just pluck those guys out of nowhere. Um, and it's not to say that like other guys can't teach skills, but Phil is just. Been in the he's game really so long, Top he's really good at it. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like that would be a big loss if Phil were to to leave the, the team. It would be. If Hollins were to leave, it's harder to gauge exactly what the drop-off would look like, but we can speak pretty confidently and say that Phil Handy is among the top 10 5% of people doing what he does for his job. So, so odds are losing him would result in some sort of drop-off. So... We'll hope he stays. He has really good relationships with the players. Uh, but, I mean, you know, best of luck for him in his future opportunities. And if he were to get a spot either as a head coach or on that, I don't know, maybe lead assistant or something on the the Wizards or Orlando or wherever, you know, more power to him. Uh, but it would, from a Lakers perspective, certainly be a step back. And shout out, shout out Mark Spears for doing his uh, green, green room sessions where, like, he will take questions and then be like, Oh yeah, by the way, I did hear about this and like break news just cause somebody asked. Um, and then shout out to the folks in our discord for going into each of those green rooms and asking the questions that we've planted. Um, and so for example, the Scott Brooks news came because the day before that he, Mark Spears held a green room and one of the fine folks, uh, first team all discord in our discord, <laughs> hopped in there, uh, two weeks with pay is his name in the Discord server, went in there, asked him if the Lakers were looking into any assistant coaching changes, and he said, eh, I, don't, I don't know, I'll go look into it. He looked into it the very next day that Scott Brooks' report comes out. So that was really cool seeing the cause and effect there. Another time he asked about if the Lakers have been tied to DeMar DeRozan, because it is, it is, you know, trust me, I have sources season. Mm-hmm. And we see all of these random accounts tweeting things that – you know, my source tells me random account with a thousand followers yeah. that you like, yeah, it's when you see things like that, it's, a lot, it's, it's actually really helpful to know the CBA well, cause a lot of them are tweeting things out that like can't be possible or like don't make sense. So that's a good way to like sort out the nonsense, but keep in mind the Lakers fan base is gigantic. And if you were to try to chase mm-hmm. clout and go make up fake stuff and get lots of people to retweet it, it's going to be positive news about the Lakers And if you're doing things like, well, someone in the organization said they're looking into this or they're interested in this, that's not something that can be proven wrong. So you can just keep making stuff up, getting attention and then gaining followers. So, you know, see see those grifters for what they are. Um, But so we asked him about DeMar DeRozan and he said, no, they're pretty more definitively. There has not been anything tying the Lakers to DeRozan this offseason, at least so far. Uh, And then yesterday, uh, same people in the Discord asked about uh, what will happen with Trez's opt-in or opt-out. He didn't have intel there, but they asked him about coaching staff changes, and he said there is one move the Lakers are anticipating will happen. Uh, he didn't say what that was, but that was around the same time we heard the Phil Handy news come out. So 
might be that, might be Holland. Uh, so that that is, it's been it's been nice being able to kind of like nudge people and ask who have those connections mm-hmm. to like figure out what the news is because like you know that we're not changing who the Lakers are going to go hire things like that, but it helps us understand their mindset and their approach and cut through some of the ambiguity because with a huge gray area, it's easy to like fit your narrative to the Lakers not doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this helps us get a better sense for like what they are looking at and what they're not planning on doing. Yeah, the Lakers, I don't know if this is apropos of anything, but they've actually been pretty leak-proof, you know, over the last couple of years and running a pretty tight ship. You don't see a lot of Woj, you know, breaking Lakers. It's a lot more Shams or um, uh, Chris Haynes, you Mm -hmm. know, often has the Lakers beats. So, you know, I'm not saying only listen to those people, but... You know, there's a reason you don't get a lot of tangible, like real, I think, Lakers um, scuttlebutt, for lack of a better word, because they kind of keep a tight lid on it, you know? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. You know, consider where the sources are coming from. And speaking of sources and speaking of the Lakers tight ship that Woj maybe doesn't have those connections with, you know who does have connections? Again, the Lakers Discord uh, server and we, so, I mean, that group is fantastic. We've done a whole bunch of fun stuff in there. And it's more than just, like, chatting without having, like, Pelicans fans looking over your shoulder. Um, one of our more recent schemes has been trying to dig into that mindset and figure out what the Lakers are, are thinking. And so, firsthand, from a Lakers coach, the Lakers Exceptionalism Pod Discord was told that LA has no plans to add an offensive coach to their staff and that David Adelman will not join the Lakers organization this offseason. That coach went on and didn't mince words and shared explicitly that the coaching staff cannot properly evaluate and will not evaluate the team's offensive X's and O's until the roster is healthy. What are your thoughts, Tom? Hmm, This is firsthand from a coach on the coaching staff. Okay. So you can qualitatively judge anything, anytime, right? With And what we try to do here, Tim, and something I think that you're just fantastic at, is parsing out the context, right? So someone saying that their offense can't be judged without being healthy, there is truth in that, where you can't judge their ceiling of what they can do, you know what I mean, fairly Mm -hmm. without the pieces on the board. It's like if I started a chess game without my queen... And I lost. You're going to get rocked, Tom. Yeah. But we can still. Against, against any decent player, you're going to get rocked. Yeah. But you can still play good strategy without a queen, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's a, really hard. Really, really hard. But if your strategies without that queen suck or aren't up to the, the you know, raising the floor of everyone to to make things better, to make things a little bit easier for everyone, absolutely we can judge you. Yep. And slight counterpoint, I would be sympathetic to the opinion of of someone saying, well, Tom, these coaches, like we need them to be good when the team is healthy. If the team isn't healthy, we don't have a chance anyway. So if LeBron, if they're not drawing up good X's and O's when AD's out or LeBron's out, not the worst thing in the world. I would rebut that by saying the X's and O's when they are healthy and this year and last year and the little tactics things. Haven't been fantastic either. Yeah. A lot of these things that are happening without those players on the court are still translatable. It's still transferable 
uh, you know, prowess and, and X's and O's. It doesn't, you don't need to have every healthy player, every player on the roster healthy to be able to run the types of things you would want to be running with a healthy right. roster. So we can absolutely evaluate things. You need to be able, from a leadership standpoint, whether it's in basketball, in the business world, doesn't matter. You need to be able to make decisions in ambiguous situations. And that means, mm. you know, anybody can look at a huge sample size of something working or not working and say, this works. Gr- like, great, good job. Where people make their money is being able to say, this isn't working in the beginning of the season or yeah. during the off season or when that's, you know, when that sample size is small and be able to pivot so that you course correct. You know, I'm trying to drive to Toronto. If I start driving in the wrong direction, I need to course correct as soon as possible and and that'll you know give me the shortest time to get there if you don't have those self checks and you keep going in the wrong direction for way too long and then you need to change you've had a huge missed opportunity even if you do eventually get to the solutions and it's something that really has bothered us and we've certainly talked about yeah. it a good bit but has hit home for me in a little bit of a different way recently uh getting back into coaching and having to basically this time of year we're drawing up we're actually running a whole new offense this year. So uh, looking at the personnel, figuring out what concepts, what actions do we want to be using? What are the combinations of players and the lineups and the rotations and all that stuff? You know, how do we set up our players to succeed? And that's been a really fun, like real life exercise. Cause I've done plenty of consulting and saying like, yeah, you know, this college team run these plays, Illinois, uh, LSU, whoever having to do it for ourselves has been like, you know, it's like, damn, this is like, this is my, this is so fun. This is like, Mm -hmm. you know, have a lot of fun with it. And you have to, in those situations, be able to draw stuff up and evaluate what you're drawing up based on if you think it should work or not based on the personnel and like just how good the X's and O's are. Like I can draw up bad stuff or good stuff and I need to be able to tell the difference without actually having to run it. If you need to test everything out in real life and spend those limited minutes and games and months of the season to figure out if something works or not, you're not making the the most of that limited amount of time that you have. Right. So. Well, sorry. I was just going to say, Tim, I know you've, you and I've spoken a lot over the years about how basketball franchises and honestly sports in general are one of the least business like run things mm-hmm. where in traditional successful business, you are judged with context, right? So again, yeah. using an analogy, if you're a McDonald's franchise owner and you run out of Big Mac, right? You don't, for whatever reason, have the Big Mac. And the McDonald's, you know, corporation looks at your numbers and says, you're doing, you're doing poorly. You know, when we do get these orders, they're slow. People complain about the taste. And you say, I don't have Big Mac. That's not an acceptable answer, right? Yeah. It's true, but there are still tangible things like you shared the the you know the time between someone ordering and getting their food. Those are tangible things that are not impacted by the Big Mac being there or not. Right. And if you can't look at that process and evaluate the 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 tangible piece of those X's and O's for what it is, or anything in business, or you know, or basketball mm-hmm. or wherever, you're gonna you know struggle. Like this is like years ago when we were talking about Luke Walton having injured Lakers rosters. Right. You can still evaluate that coaching staff even though they didn't have a full healthy season. If every team this year that had key players injured punt, completely punted the idea of making any roster changes or making any X's and O's changes to improve and weren't you know, self-scouting, 
<laughs> nobody's making any moves, man. Like everybody's yeah, been hurt. Absolutely. Like it's it's been uh, of any year. This has been such a crazy year with key players going down, all stars. You know, number one, number two players, and that doesn't mean that you still can't evaluate what happened. So mm-hmm. you know, I understand the Lakers missed a bunch of time and a lot of minutes, and they lost a lot of value with the, the specific players they had out. But you should still every day be looking at your process and trying to find ways to improve. And yeah. I, it's it's easy to listen to this podcast and other podcasts and say like, yeah, like I get it. But you know, we're it's hard from an audio standpoint to not like spell out exactly what we mm-hmm. mean. But I think we've done a pretty good job making the case that there are tangible things that can improve. It's still going to be the LeBron and AD offense, but there are those little things that you can work on. Um, and I, I do think sometimes, especially on Twitter, simplifying things to match the right. format or to match the audience can lead the audience to believe that in reality, they just are super simple. And it doesn't yeah. matter who's at the helm when coaching really does matter in the league. And I don't know you know, who this coach spoke to, wonder what guys or circumstance, uh, what relationship they have. So I don't I'm not blaming this coach for defending their their job performance right that's mm-hmm. within anyone's right to defend their job performance and and in still a lot of that context that most of these tweets are missing yep. uh, and most of the internet is missing sometimes on purpose right but i think it's important to also and um again i'm not expecting them to do this with us or the outside public say yeah this weak side, you know, um, post up, uh, the kind of scheme we have going on is just not working. Um, and again, I'm not expecting them to say that out loud to the world, Mm -hmm. but if they don't think that, and it seems that they're content with where their offense is, it like, just because you won the championship in the bubble doesn't necessarily mean that was a championship offense. You know what I mean? Or that you can't improve that offense from one year to the next because that championship bar is raised every year. Mm -hmm. Every year you have to get better than the year before. You know what I mean? So I I think it's great context. Thank you to our Lakers Discord members. If you want to become a member, we have a bunch of different categories and threads. If you want to talk about silly stuff or in-game stuff or, you know, uh, speculating offseason moves. DM Tim or I a screenshot of a five-star review of the pod, and we'll send you that disco invite. Um, Yeah, I popped in the other day, and I was like, wow, I'm, like, so behind. But this is, like, a fun, you know, like like a little backlog of chat from people. um, Yeah, we run it in a way like a lot of agencies run their things in terms of, like, mapping – like. You know, this is this is the hardest working Lakers podcast, Tom. We're yeah, we're man. like actually like when it came to trades, when it's coming to free agency, like we're not making stuff up. We're we're getting those perspectives, crunching that analysis, and then trying to give you realistic options. And that you know heads over to the Discord as well. And and that is such a just we have the best fans, just the most passionate, like Absolutely. in there actually brainstorming nobody's like trying to dunk on each other in there we're like having real dialogue and the team for a day thing has been so fun where like you're getting a chance to do what agencies are doing and teams are doing where they say all right here's what we'd like to do but what is the market for our players and you can't do that without thinking from those other teams perspective so i can say i know the cba a hundred times better today than I did a couple of weeks ago because of that. And the other folks in the discord do as well. And that's going to transition us into the second half of our podcast, but it's just been a, a ton of fun. So again, if you want to join, reach out to one of us, um, shoot us that five-star review 
and uh, we can we can get you in there, join the family, and uh, it's it's just so much fun. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, with that, let's take a quick break, and we'll move on to our sign and trade section right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back from break. Uh, Tim, just as we were starting this call, uh, I was like Q&Aing you on the sign and trade rules. And they're so they're so cumbersome and convoluted for for probably all very specific reasons that they do this. But if you can try and break down as simply as you can. Again, there's a lot of variations. Some of the sign and trade rules, because let's start first with. Signing and trading away Dennis Schroeder. So what does that uh, look like? What are the limitations, I guess? And what can the Laker fans expect? Not maybe a quality of player, but the contract or or package to come back in a sign and trade for Dennis Schroeder. So the player would need to want to do it. They this because they're they're a free agent. They it's their really their choice. And because of that, this is something that the teams can't really be working on and have come public now because you're not allowed to be talking to other teams' players uh, mm-hmm. or you're not allowed to be talking to free agents. That'd be well, tampering. So this Like is, the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing last year. Yep, exactly. And just I believe yesterday as well, Brian Windhorst had to talk back a comment the he Dame made on national stuff. television about Dame yeah. Willard and, and other teams trying to sign and trade with him which can't be happening. Um, yeah. So I believe that it was happening and he realized, oh crap, I just, yeah. you know, got a bunch of people in trouble. I need to back, you know, walk this back. Backtrack. I believe yeah. that's more likely than he just made something up. Um, mm-hmm. And there certainly are people making things up, but you know, that's that situation. So player needs to be interested. Uh, so for like Dennis Schroeder, for example, he would need to want to go wherever he wants to go. If he wants to go to a competitor, if you're trying to trade him to the, the Thunder or the Magic, perhaps he may not have interest he may just say no i don't want to uh from his perspective he would do a sign and trade to go somewhere where he's able to get more money 
than he would otherwise get going to that same team. So if he knows he wants to go play for Minnesota and or Minnesota might be a bad example. If he wants to play for the Nets and no, the Nets are a bad example too. Shit. If he wants to go play for a team that can't offer Philly. him Philly. Philly. We'll say Philly. Good good one. If he wants to play for the Sixers, they can't offer him as much as the Lakers can. They just don't have the cap space. They might maybe they will say I'd have to check, but we'll say they have their full MLE. They can offer him about nine million a year. The Lakers can offer him basically whatever they want. They can offer him thirty million, basically. Like it's up to a twenty or twenty-five percent of the the whole cap. So Mm -hmm. the Lakers can offer him way more than another team. So if he wants to go to another team and he wants to make more money, he can go to the Lakers and say, "Hey, I want to go play for Philly. Can you can you see if you can work something out?" And from Philly's perspective, they may want Schroeder, but they know they can't get him with how much money they have available. So their only route to getting him is a sign and trade. So they say, all right, yeah, you're worth it. We will give away our assets to the Lakers in exchange for getting you. And then the Lakers are in a situation where, yeah, you're letting Schroeder go, but you are able to, you know, get some assets back that you otherwise wouldn't have if he just went and signed for another team. So that's just the kind of general mindset. From a rule standpoint, the hard cap is something that we have to be aware of when uh so so Schroeder can't go to the Nets because it would have to be a sign and trade to a team that is above the the hard cap, above that apron. And that apron is 100, I think it's $143 million this year. So any team that is already above that cannot receive a sign and trade player in a trade and at the end of the trade still be above it. So if they were above it to start with, they receive Schroeder, but at the end of the trade, they're below it, that would be fine. The only way that could happen is if they're trading like Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or James Harden. Or Joe so, Harris, but so yeah. That, so that won't happen. Right. That's why Schroeder sign and trade to the Nets does not make sense. Um, that's something to keep in mind. And then when you are hard capped, that also limits. So, so when you're hard capped, you can't go above that apron during the trade or at any point for the rest of the season. So if you're doing that, that's very restrictive. That means that the Lakers can't go pay Alex Caruso $15 million a year or $12 million a year, whatever they have to pay him to keep him because maybe they'd be up against the top of that cap. So for example, again, $143 million apron, if the Lakers bring back nobody other than THT, who they can offer $10.5 million, and then we'll say West and Keefe on minimum deals, they're at $142 million, and the limit's mm-hmm. 143 So they can't bring in uh, a sign-and-trade guy and be in a position where they're able to like continue paying like Alex Caruso or somebody like or, that. Or even fill out the roster. And just the Lakers fans know, the Lakers hard-capped themselves last summer by sign-and-trading for Dennis Schroeder. So we spoke a lot about the limitations of hard-capping when we had to wait until we had like the prorated minimum, you know what I mean, to sign some of these end-of-the-bench yep. guys because we just couldn't go over that apron. Yep, and that's, you know... <laughs> He's on this podcast more than he should be, but that is one potential reason for Damian Jones not coming back is the Lakers could not afford to offer him a contract after they released him for like weeks after they released him. Right. Until the proration was low enough that it allowed them to stay under the hard cap and that gave Sacramento or other teams a window to go sign him for, you know, weeks at a time. He just wasn't working. So that is one repercussion. If the Lakers go into next season, they're hard capped and things aren't working out so well and they need to make a trade, they're more limited in what they're able to do in those standpoints. 
uh, if you are hard capped, you cannot use your taxpayer MLE. So this is the, the mini MLE. It's about $5 million a year. This is what, if Schroeder comes back, this is what the Lakers are going to be using. Um, if they do a sign and trade, they can't use that. So there goes, even if you wanted Andre Drummond back for that $5 million a year, you can't right. get him anymore. So if you sign and trade for, we'll say, Spencer Dinwiddie, and he comes in, your only options to replace to, to add on to the roster then are minimum contracts. Well, question really quick. Can you, you know, sign and trade two players for each other? I feel like can you can only do one sign and trade one way, right? You can do them at the same time and go into different teams. With the Nets again, it wouldn't work because they can't receive Schroeder. Because I'm just saying in theory, in theory, so yes. the Nets could sign and trade Spencer Dinwiddie and the Lakers could sign and trade Dennis Schroeder in the same transaction. I believe so. Okay. Got it. No, sorry. I just wanted, yeah. I wanted so, to clarify that. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. So uh, yeah, again, taxpayer MLE is a big thing. That's the Lakers one bullet to spend this offseason yeah. to go get a free agent. And they lose that if they do a sign and trade. Uh, yeah. They have the full MLE available. That doesn't go away with the sign and trade, but you can only use that to stay below the apron and if they were to do the sign and trade they'd already be pretty much there so that won't be an option so i'll use dinwiddie just as an example of what might happen um so he's opted out he already opted out of his deal the deadline was a while ago that you know that's that's done already so it would have to be a sign and trade for him if he's coming over and he thinks he's the best point guard available on the market and he's he's done his own PR stuff and he's been on he was on a podcast yesterday, two days ago, uh, mm-hmm. where he was talking about, you know, if the Nets want me back, they've got to go offer me that 125 mil because, you know, any other team can offer me three years, 60 million. He thinks he's worth 20 million dollars. And I would expect if he's going to come in a sign and trade, maybe he takes a little discount to come to the Lakers. But this is a dude who hasn't really made his money. This is a guy who's been good. And this yeah. is his one chance, and he's 20, 27, 28. He's getting up there from a prime age season. This is his big deal. So he's not going to take l- a little bit of money to go play for the Lakers. He's not going to ring chase the way you might find other players. He's going to want to get his money. So if we say we give him like 18 mil, uh, the the Nets have his bird rights, so they can re-sign him for up to $28 million a year. But we'll say he takes like a $20 million deal. He comes on over. That hard caps the Lakers. This means... You lose your MLE, so Drummond's not coming back. You have to renounce Schroeder, so he's not coming back. THT, will say, gets his 10.5 mil. You'd have to trade something to get Dinwiddie. So, I don't know, KCP or Kuzma, and then your 22nd pick. And then if you trade KCP or Kuz plus the 22, and you pay THT to come back, you then have about $31 million total to spend between Dinwiddie and Caruso, which could be doable. Uh, but if a team offers Alex Caruso... 336 he might walk and you've then lost we'll say you traded kcp your first round pick alice caruso your mle dennis schroeder to bring in one player so if you're gonna do something like this you really need to make sure it's the move because it you you lose you pretty much strip all your assets to to do something like this and you end up in a tough spot can we quickly do the Spencer Dinwiddie was not really a great fit for the Lakers? Like I'm just pulling up the profile, you know, Tim, he's, he's listed out offensive archetype, secondary ball handler. Okay. That's fine. Uh, defensive role point of attack. I don't know. We don't, I don't feel like need that. I feel like we're okay in those areas. And I would say to look at last year's stuff, just cause he barely played this year. If you were to 
two years. Or you mean the year before? Uh, yeah, okay. Or, yeah, but still, you know, he he was you know coming off the bench early in that um, early in that run. Um, I'll bring up his stats from last year. I don't think the shooting is there nearly enough. I don't think the um, I think he's good at getting to the rim, but not as I don't know explosive as a shrewder. Um, he, I'll, I'll say this for Dinwiddie. He is a legit and has done it consistently for years. He is legit when it comes to getting to and finishing at the rim. And when it comes to his ability to play make for others, he's very good at those things. He has not been a consistent three point shooter and that limits his ability to manipulate the defense and limits the output of that playmaking in ways that like kind of like a, a TJ McConnell where he's like great playmaker, great at getting to the rim, finishing at the rim, but you don't have to respect him as a sh- shooter. So you can go under his ball screens and that changes the way you play him. Dinwiddie's closer to that style of player from a skill set standpoint where he's like legit good at things, but because the shooting's not there, it lowers the ceiling of what he can bring you. And well, from a fit standpoint, if he's that third banana, do you probably want someone that you can rely on to shoot? I mean, is again, is he substantially better than Dennis Schroeder in the places that we need him to be? And I don't think so. Going back to last year, it's overall three point percentage, you know, per your profile, 30.8%. Now his catch and shoot three point percent was 37, which is good, but it's not like, Oh my God. Great. Right. Yeah, it's not for catching and shooting on threes. Yeah. It's again, it's the best he does in, in three point shooting, but I don't think based on, you know, if you're trading KCP as our 40% three point shooter last year, inconsistent, maybe, but he's gotten better in three point shooting in the last three seasons, percentage wise. Um, and KCP, we know what he can do on defense. He's a known commodity and yep. how he fits around the rest of the pieces. And if you're losing Schroeder for, you know, money purposes and he has to walk and then you're losing KCP and getting back like a modicum of Schroeder to me, maybe and losing the 22 pick or a THT or a Kuzma. It's just not worth it to me. I don't see the upside there with Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, who I like as a person. I think he's very smart guy. Um, A lot of people gave him shit for trying to crowdfund his last contract. Um, but I, I think he thinks about things in a unique way, but I don't think his performance on the court would warrant the amount of resources it would take to bring him to the Lakers, even though it's also not very practical in, in, you know, making it happen anyway. Yeah, it's, I I think he's better than Schroeder. I would rather have Spencer Dinwiddie than Dennis Schroeder straight up head to head. But it wouldn't be a one for one swap. It would be uh, like one for like six swap or one for five swap. And the Nets aren't getting all five of those things, but the right. Lakers are losing all five of those things. So yeah. it's got to be a huge. It's got to be a big upgrade. And I think he fin- he gets the rim similar to Shooter. He finishes at the rim better than Shooter. The shooting isn't a big upgrade. Well, uh, he's also coming off of what torn ACL, and he's coming he, off he, an injury. So I'm not saying he isn't going to get back to the level he's at. He's 28 coming off a torn ACL. You have to put that into consideration as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just, it. Uh, all things considered, I would rather go other routes. I would rather go other routes that we talked about on the, this podcast a couple weeks ago. 
I'd rather go do my Joe Ingles deal or my Buddy Heel deal or I'd rather Gross. go deal that Malik Beasley deal. Like I, it, that volume of assets, it doesn't. The math doesn't make sense in this one for me. The more we talk about it, the more I'm going to hate this summer for the Lakers. Like it's so hard. I mean, I can, I'm praying to believe in Rob for him to prove me wrong. But seeing what's on the board and what's practical and what's available, um, it's tough to. It's tough for me to get excited about Joe Ingles and losing our pick. I, I hear you. We had the conversation. I know he's a good player and better than Kuzma, right? Of course. It's just tough you know, when you use those bullets uh, on an on a aging guy. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to move on. Let's move on to another guy who's been loosely connected. I don't know you know, how to explain that. But DeMar DeRozan, um, for years, you know, talked about possibly coming to the Lakers when he was a free agent, when he was still with the Raptors. Uh, obviously, we know the L.A. connection, uh, the Kobe connection. I don't know... If I mean, he's certainly not the player he used to be. Let's get that straight. Mm-hmm. And the, but the player he used to be, even if he you know got back to that level, uh, I don't know if that's a useful thing for a team who lacks outside shooting. He's a good playmaker. Uh, he can get to his spots in the mid range. But that I feel like if we add DeMar DeRozan. We immediately become like the most mid range heavy team in the league and like surpassing Phoenix. Yep. And, and I don't like comparing him to what the Suns are doing in that, you know, it, it, I've heard, I've seen on Twitter, oh, well, you know, he's a mid-range guy. We're seeing mid-range players succeed in the NBA Finals. Mm. They're mid-range players and then everything else. <laughs> they're getting, they're scoring yeah. at the rim. They're hitting their threes. Yes, they're also good at that, but that doesn't mean yeah. it's, it's a fair comparison. So yeah, no, I'm definitely not comparing the teams. I'm just saying, like, if you add another guy, Tim, we've talked so much about our mid-range, you know, proficiency. We're just going to mm-hmm. add to more mid-range shots and less three-point attempts. Yeah, this is the this is the worst fit. This is unless yeah. you're playing Anthony Davis at the center for a substantial period of time, bringing in a guy who just played power forward, and you kind of have to play as a big man from like a spacing yeah. shooting standpoint. Having your best two players be your small forward and power forward slotting into a lineup in LeBron and AD, it's tough to really throw DeRozan out there. Uh, Defensively, he's been someone that year after year has been a really big negative. This year, Mm -hmm. he was one of those guys that was in the help role and wasn't doing any helping. And so he was really in that hider role. He was just trying to not – he was doing what LeBron does but being way less active than LeBron at it. So it's Mm – his defense would be more negatively impactful next year, having to do more than he was kind of able to do this year. He was able to hide in the shadows a bit and not be picked on. Uh, it's it's just a really, really bad fit from a defensive role standpoint, from an offensive fit standpoint. If the Lakers team was built around a star point guard and a star center, adding Jerosen would make more sense than having mm. a star three and four. So it's and, and again, Mark Spears. I mentioned this earlier. We asked him, and he said no. DeRozan has not been there. Hasn't that's not happening. Hasn't no, haven't heard anything. That's there's nothing it, going on there. And this isn't just like, oh yeah, no, I don't think so. Like he's checking. <laughs> he's, he's yeah. He's, no, it smells like just a Twitter story to me. Yeah. Oh, and this happens you know, like every like off season. For, just absolutely. Now we feel more empowered because we're able to go like dig into some of this stuff and, and yes. know that it's bullshit. But you're just gonna again, you're gonna find people coming up with fake rumors. Yeah. For clout. 
Yeah. So no, I mean, here's one thing to get Demar Derozan for the mid level exception, and yes. you're stoked with that, yeah. right? Absolutely, that is a great player for that price. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen. He's going to get a fifteen to twenty million dollar a year contract still, and that's kind of prohibitive to me. Obviously, for the Lakers, but also for the ceiling of a team paying Demar Derozan fifteen to twenty million a year. Yeah, I think he'll be on the lower end of that. From what I've looked at so far, I'll have a more concrete answer next week. But from the teams I've looked at, I don't see him as a great fit for a lot of them. And I think the Spurs are ready to move on. They're in a situation where if they renounce him, Rudy Gay, and another player or two that are, they're all aging, they can build around their young core and then have like 20 or $30 million in cap space. So they have a chance to go make some real swings at like restricted free agents mm. or go after some top guys. Um, go after a Spencer Dinwiddie or something like that. Now was their chance because a lot of teams won't have that spending power. So I definitely think he's moving on from San Antonio. How much he gets is going to be above what the Lakers can offer. But I, I'm not sure if he'll quite. I don't think he's going to get 20 this this time around. So Tim, I want to throw a curveball at you here and put a name that we haven't talked about, and there's a couple reasons. Sometimes the the moves that are kind of just outside the practical, but if you read the tea leaves later, you like think, oh, why didn't we think this, right? I've seen numerous times throughout the years, Zach Levine wants to come to the Lakers. The way he speaks about the Lakers, they're the kind of player who forces his his way to the Lakers. To me, is a Zach Levine. Now, and this is just totally putting aside whether I'd want him what we'd have to give up, all that. Now, we can do that really quick, but this is what makes sense to me. Now, he still has another deer left on his deal, I think. But they just made that trade for Vucevic, so they're probably not thinking this, but if he goes to them and says, I want out, and this is probably more likely a trade deadline thing than an offseason thing, but he says, I want out and I want to go to the Lakers. It could behoove the Bulls to take a package of a sign-and-trade Dennis Schroeder a THT and the 22 plus whatever else it takes. Right Mm -hmm. now that's actually to me. And again, this requires for it to be practical. Zach Levine to say, I want to go to the Lakers and only the Lakers, but there's some smoke there to me, just some little bits of smoke coming up when, you know, you're trying to get that kindling going. You don't know if it's going to catch. Yep. So, I mean, I think it's possible with the money uh, as far as the, the Bulls cap sheet. Um, and I think it's it's actually practical based on the kind of personality that Zach Levine is. So uh, I don't know. What do you think? Is it possible? Is it practical? Do you want it? It's possible. Chicago is a team we covered yesterday in the Discord. And what my takeaway after that discussion was is I bet he's talking to their leadership now or around now. And they're going to sit him down and say – you know, we want to sign a contract extension with you in order to get you to buy into that. Here's our plan for this offseason. And my guess is they wave and stretch Aminu, uh, which frees up space. I bet they wave Sadoransky. I bet they wave Archie Diacono, Felicio, Tice, Valentine, Green, Markinen. They bring Val- uh, they bring Thad Young back. They uh, then have $22.2 million in cap space to go find a point guard and a small forward and build a competitive team around Zach Levine. They have some pieces that I like, 
They have a lot of pieces I think I would be and they're ready to move on from, but they are one of those few teams that will have money this offseason, and if they make the right moves and the chips go in their favor, they'll be in a position where they can truly give it a shot, and uh, I don't think they're going to win a title, but I think they can make their roster make way more sense and really upgrade from a talent perspective because they got 22 mil, then they also have that room exception, which is basically $5 million, similar to the, the taxpayer MLE, and if they can use those two things on two or three players, they can build a pretty strong rotation. And I agree with you that if it were to happen, if he were to come to the Lakers, it would have to be more a trade trade deadline sort of thing where they make mm-hmm. these moves, they start the season off, and either it goes well and he signs an extension or it's not going well, and then we start hearing way more smoke and then yeah. it, something happens later in the season. Again, there's no guarantee he'd do this, but he seems like that kind of guy yeah, and I don't know if that's a positive that's where I'm or coming from. thing, but if he's literally told us with his own words is why. Yeah, it's yeah. He's always wanted to play for the Lakers. So is, not every player says that. Yeah, this is one of the many reasons people don't like the Lakers, because that's just not fair. That's just like, come on, yeah. like, seriously. <laughs> like, we, we, OK, again, we have created a 50 plus year history <laughs> of empowering successful but uh, you know, uh, players to be their best selves. I would want to come here too. Yeah, it's a okay, that's neither here nor there. Right? Absolutely. No, no, no. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's there is a real reason. It's not just oh, you know, it's warm. And right. La. No, we've. I mean, yeah. So up. is Miami. So is yeah. so is the Clippers. You know what yep. I mean? Like, you want to go? You want warm? Go to fucking Phoenix. Yeah. Anyway, I, I bring I bring up Zach Levine just as a curveball to throw at you. Because of the smoke, because of all that, I don't think it's going to to happen. I'm definitely not banking on it, but it's the reasonable, you know, five percent transaction that I'm not completely ruling out yet. Um, and I think that would be a killer big three. And I could set his defense aside. He has grown so much and impressed me so much. I thought he was a chucker. You know, kind of one of those head down black hole kind of guys. And he kind of was early in his career in Minnesota, but he's gotten so much better at being a chucker and being an efficient chucker um, that he's really impressed me as a player. Um, But also, I was just going to say, it's also uh, relevant because the Bulls, you know, there's like this very clear line between competing teams and and I don't want to say tanking teams, but rebuilding teams, right? And after the Vucevic trade, they thought they were going to jump that fence in the competing teams. And they're sitting right on the fence right now. Mm-hmm. They could fall to the left. They could fall to the right. Yeah, they can. So it's a very Jenga, you know, house of cards over there is why I think it's it's also practical. Yep. And it, whether or not he signs the extension is going to be really big because if he doesn't and then wants to once out his value for another team who might trade for him might be lower than for the Lakers. Uh, mm-hmm. If he says, I want to go play for the Lakers, and he only has one, de- one year left on his contract, he becomes a rental for other teams. Compared to mm-hmm. if he does sign his deal and he says he wants to play with the Lakers, a contender may go after him, get him, and get him to be happy winning somewhere else other than L.A. And that is yeah. a whole completely different situation if they have him for another five years or something like that. So the, the, his contract yeah. is what really makes this way more feasible than saying like oh well Luka Doncic might say this in two months like that's <laughs> you're just making like great you can hope for that <laughs> but we have no reason to believe that's gonna happen 
Levine has exhibited the behaviors and has the right contract and is in the right team situation that it yeah the stars may be lining up so that's a really good call out exactly Thank you. Uh, last one we get to really here. We're talking just strictly sign and trades. We will come back, obviously, and do more, you know, open free agent discussion. We'll have some draft people on to talk a little bit about the draft with us. But for now, um, Kyle Lowry, I think, is another big piece that we had targeted at the last trade deadline. There was a kind of package in place, but the Lakers wouldn't weren't willing to include Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, and we talked, I think, a few weeks ago about that trade and whether we would do it now. And I think we both agreed that we would. Um, and that trade involved Schroeder, Schroeder as well, mostly, I think, for salary matching. Um, so if we were what, what would a sign in trade package look like for Kyle Lowry? And would that leave the Lakers with enough, you know, supporting players uh, left over to to fill out a roster and stay under the hard cap? It would. So. You, for some extra context, I believe we would be competing with Miami in terms mm-hmm. of trade package. There were other teams that were interested in, in Lowry, early, Lowry earlier on and that things have kind of cooled Philly. off a bit. Uh, Miami is a team that Jimmy Butler really wants Kyle Lowry from, from the intel I'm hearing. He's been pounding the table mm-hmm. for him. They want to appease Jimmy and they believe they have the assets to do it. Uh, if From a Miami standpoint, what it would look like would be uh, picking up the options for Andre Iguodala, Goran Dragic, and then trading the two of them with Hero, with uh, maybe Hero, maybe they have a bunch of first round picks to offer potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, Precious Achua. Precious Achua. Okay. Uh, Toronto is really interested in him. Um, hmm. So that would be the package you would have to compete against. That's like a legit. High, average to higher end backup point guard in Dragic, depending on you know how he's looking physically. Uh, Iguodala, who's like a pretty good piece to help a winning team off the bench. A uh, young player that they like, a young big man who Toronto is really, really interested in. And then probably either Hero, another young, good shooter, or multiple first-round picks. I don't know if the Lakers will be able to compete with that. It would definitely have to include THT. I don't think like KCP... He's getting it done. I don't think KCP Kuzma's getting Maybe it done. Maybe Kuzma. I mean, Kuzma more than KCP. But yeah, agree. They have OG there. They don't really yeah, they, need wings. They need a point guard. They like really, really right. need a point guard. And they need a point guard that can penetrate. And Dennis Schroeder can penetrate. But also throwing Dennis Schroeder into a lineup that has Jimmy Butler and Ben like Matabayo from a shooting standpoint, it makes it a tough fit. Uh, in the same way that like... So, like, Derrick Rose can make sense for them this offseason. Um, but, like, there are other players that penetrate well, don't shoot all that well, and it's like, ah, that makes less sense. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, what you'd be looking at doing. If you were to, from the Lakers' perspective, bring Lowry over, he would have to sign a three-year or four-year deal. So that would probably look like a 360. Mm. So you're bringing in $20 million. If your trade package looks like the 22 pick, THT, KCP. I, I don't. I don't know exactly how it looks. You've got to make yeah. sure the the money works there. If you're trading away THT, that actually helps the Lakers compared to like a Dinwiddie situation where Caruso probably gets squeezed. If they're trading THT, they probably still have money for Caruso. Um, so I'd I'd have to really, really write it down on paper. But I think from a monetary standpoint, if the Lakers could get a Lowry deal done, they would 
I mean, they'd still lose their MLE, but they would be able to bring back Caruso. But I think that the cost to do that deal would definitely cost THG and isn't something the team has been ready to do. To our Yeah, to our conversation the other week, this would be a strictly win this year move because Kyle Lowry, as of today, is 35 years old. Um, and so you're not only you like you're paying him all that money kind of just to get him in the door for this year in a practical and and if you're lucky, you get two years. But that third year, unless, you know, it has to be guaranteed, I believe, in the sign in trade. There's no, you know, non guarantees that you can kind of tack on yeah. to to kind of save yourself. So if you get that around your neck, dude, this is the last year Dang is going to be on the books. You can't get another bad contract that you're going to have to stretch and and plague your books, even if it's only like six million a year for five years that adds up and really limits especially when you're a team who was hard capped last year right imagine what that five million could have gone toward if luol dang wasn't still on the books because of poor decisions years ago so i'm not saying lowry is dang of course he's a useful player i'm just saying the risk of the later years is basically to give you a chance at at one chip and, yeah. and you do that. I agree. You you do that when you can. But I don't know if that is a a definite championship team with Kyle Lowry. It's not clear enough to me to make that risk worth it. If the Lakers were to do the deal, I'm, I just ran the numbers quickly. Mm-hmm. If it, I don't know what what do we think it would cost to beat that Miami offer? Honestly, like everything 22, we could. Yeah, THT. And one of KCP or Kuzma, both of them. We'll just say one of them for now. We'll say okay. one of them. So side question: Are well, well, Schroeder, right? Are we talking Schroeder mm-hmm. as well? Uh, we have to. That's what I thought. We were kind of like the guys, right? Is yeah, I gotta hang on. I gotta pull Schroeder. up. So, if the Lakers were to trade, sign and trade Schroeder. Kuzma, the 22 pick, and THT to Toronto in exchange for Kyle Lowry. On the Lakers side of things, they would have, from a money standpoint, they would be able to re-sign Alex Caruso to like $15 million if they needed to. And they would have space under the apron for which they could use the rest of their full MLE, so it might be three, four million dollars that they'd have available to them. From the Toronto standpoint, it gets a bit trickier because mm. bringing in THT, there's ten point five mil. Bringing in the number two pick, that's two and a half mil. Bringing in Kuzma was thirteen mil. If it's KCP, it's about the same amount of money, and they're gonna have they're gonna have to resign Gary Trent Jr. probably for fifteen, seventeen million dollars. If they do all of that, they would then have. Under $15 million to pay Dennis Schroeder. And then that would be that basically all they're able to do. And then they wouldn't be able to use their MLE either, even if they're kind of letting people go. Well, and just to be clear, we brought it up earlier. This would require Dennis Schroeder signing on to play in Toronto, which I mean, they're not exactly rebuilding, but I mean, they have a good they have a top four pick this year. They could turn it around real quick. They have great players in, in Van Vliet and, and you know, OG and Siakam. And, and 
I just don't know. You know, I, I don't know if he's excited to go, go to Toronto and Canada. Um, so it's just context there. But thank you for laying that out. I think I'm more open to that one than some of than I thought I was when we started this conversation. I thought it might be too much going out, but that one might be worth it to still have some of the MLE too, and still have other bullets in the chamber after that trade that that's kind of promising. Yeah, it it could work. I mean, it's just, it costs you THT as well. So THT, the pick Kuzma, Schroeder for Kyle Lowry. And you still have, you you know, you can keep Caruso and then you have some money to spend on another spot. And then you're going to end up with, Four minimum salary guys or two minimum guys, and then if you bring Keefin Wesson back, I mean they're going to. Um, actually, have no, wait, no, no. There's a, there's an additional one anyway. No, actually, so there there are one, two, three. There would be five minimum players, and then if Keys Keef or West take some of those spots, you you lower that number. But the Lakers would have to have a lot of ring chasing help, I think, to I mean, round out the not roster. So different than it was this year, to be honest. It, I we mean, had two we saw- this time around. Two or three? I mean, Keith, Quinn Cook. But Quinn Cook didn't play. But I'm, I'm looking at like, yeah, but if, if the Lakers are doing this and want to stay where they need to be from a CBA standpoint, they're going right. to end up with 12 players and that's it. And then right. two-way guys to fill out the rest of the roster. They're not going to have to fill out a full roster like they did this year. No, no, and, I get you. And like five of those 12 are going to be men guys. Yeah. So, so you need them to be, yeah, like better. That's a than big piece of your players, rotation, yeah. You know, especially to bring in like an players. old guy right. with an older guy with Kyle Lowry. So that's a lot of like you've got LeBron, AD, KCP, Lowry, Caruso, Gasol. Who you know, four or five million dollars on another guy, and then a bunch of minimums as yeah, your entire tough. rotation. So like the second the bench unit might be like you know KCP and a bunch of uh, mid players stuff like that. Yeah, so it's, it's tough, man. It's less appealing. Like you said before, it's a very much like a win now, win immediately move. Mm-hmm. But it is an option. It is. And and to your point, uh, you've made this before. If you can win a championship, you do just about anything. And that's something that can get you into trouble down the road. But you hang that banner forever. And we've got 17 of them. So... Yep. We've been willing to make risk, and I think it's all about risk assessment ultimately. Um, yeah. And, and making the smart risk play, not just a risk play for risk's sake. And another key piece of this too is what does the M, like what does that taxpayer MLE, what is like four, five, six million dollars, what does that get you this mm-hmm. year in the market? Right now, don't really know. It's kind of like evaluating the value of like a future pick. Yeah, but once it turns into something, it's like, oh crap! This wasn't yeah. actually a war chest of uh, picks, Boston. Sure. Um, yeah, or maybe it was we something great. Montrez for the middle mid level, right? Like that was not a guy on our radar as far yeah. as targeting. Yeah, so so maybe we are able to get somebody based on you know he might add the player we get might add more value than what we're paying them, but because of the market situation, we're able to you know. Because of the game of musical chairs, they've got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where LA is in the pecking order compared to what available players are will be another key piece of this. And that's an answer we will have, not today, but next week. So that would shape, if it's like really crappy, I'm much more willing to do some of these offers where mm-hmm. we don't have that available. If like we can get a really good player, I would be more willing to be conservative, 
and you know keep what we've got maybe make a trade around the margins my ingles trade something like that and then go add a good player with that tax mle and you've upgraded the roster potentially all right man well i think that's a good place to leave it um i just yeah it was good and uh, sorry. Yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it. I think it was smart to kind of lay out what sign and trades look like for people who are just throwing out the sign and trade, you know, option for every player, uh, for Dinwiddie, for all these guys, and realize mm-hmm. the practical application of this rule is a lot more, you know, strict than you'd think, especially with just the players wanting to go there. Yeah, and and with this last example, we need Toronto to want to play De- pay Dennis Schroeder his right. 15 or 17 or 20 mil or whatever it is. Whereas, you know, they might be looking at the offseason and that could be an option on their cheat sheet, but they might say, oh, let's go get Derrick Rose. Let's go get Derrick Rose. Let's go get Reggie sure. Jackson. They like, might have... just lose Lowry for nothing than pay a guy we don't want to pay 17 mil. Yeah. And, and like, they very well could say, like, Lowry's been our dude for years and years and years. And yeah. this is their Kobe like yeah. in terms of meaning to their franchise they can say let's ride it out and we can go grab another guard but we don't need to lose Lowry in the process if through free agency we have the money available to go get somebody that's good we don't you know what Schroeder brings isn't worth the the price potentially right, right. so you never know there are a lot of perspe- perspectives to consider I see a lot of fun trades being thrown out there that like fix all of our problems but nobody's going to agree to on the other yeah, side exactly. um so you know when you do stuff like this you know get it out there throw it in front of other people and talk to your friends from the other teams if you if you have any or throw it out on twitter see if it's realistic or not feel free to throw it our way yeah. uh i'm gonna regret saying that because i'm gonna have nah. 20 get us in the discord get at trade us in the discord nba dms yeah i'll answer discord. discord. i answer well, all right. of the discord questions that's right i answered a much lower percentage of random questions I get on Twitter. Try to get to what I can. Well, yeah, good stuff, man. Um, let's uh, let's try and get more into free agent options next week. Um, maybe start with the guards. Uh, I think, you know, we have some guard, you know, decisions to make in our own roster, but let's just be aware of what's on the market so that can inform our in-house roster decisions. So we'll put that on the docket. And uh, until then, we'll talk to you guys next time.